Yeah, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. I have the CEO, founder of the Business Sherpa Group, Margot Crawford, on the show today. Hello, Margot. Hello, AJ. Nice to see you. Thank you very much for coming on. I've been going through the Business Sherpa Group, and as we were just chatting before the show, I love the name, and I was looking at your background, and in hindsight, it looks, oh, from HR, you had this, to them starting this. What was sort of the reasoning from your HR background before the Business Sherpa Group to then starting the Business Sherpa Group? Yeah, well, it wasn't a predictable journey, I'll tell you that. I mean, you know, there's not too many people who would have said that would be a path you would normally take. So what was interesting is while I was in HR corporately, I was in different companies, I had a real interest in all of the businesses that I worked in. I was always really curious about the actual business. So HR, my function, my piece of that business, but how it worked. And I was always very empathetic, I would say, to the business owners in particular. You know, I've worked in some larger companies, but some smaller ones too. And it sort of drew me to, while doing my HR, going back to school, I did my MBA because I thought, gosh, I find it fascinating, just the risks that owners take. And, you know, I was always gunning for them. I was just, we've got to support these people who've taken these huge risks as the employees. So it took me out a started me out on a business journey. And then actually before Business Sherpa Group back in 2000, I finished up my MBA. I was working at a school board, in fact, and I was approached by two friends who were engineers. And they decided that this was before the bubble Hmm. burst in 2000 in technology. So it was late 99, early 2000. And uh, they were going to form a a technology startup company. And they came to me and said, I want you to do it with us. And I said, okay. And I quit my job. Like they spoke to me on the Monday or sorry, on the weekend. And I quit my job on Monday and said, I'm in. And it was promised financing. It wasn't closed financing. We had a product concept, not a product, not even a product idea. We didn't have a name, a location or anything. But I was just two feet jump in because I thought this is what I really find fascinating. Anyway, that was the start of that. An eight-year journey with that company it was called Meriton Networks. And we were in uh, hardware. Uh, hardware and software, we were in the telecom space. So we had to do a lot of financing. I had to raise like about 75 million in financing, you know, and my job at that time was setting up the company from legal formation to the physical setup to building the team, you know, setting up the systems and tools and, and so on. And of course, taking on every single hat you could imagine from like, I mean, I was negotiating sales contract, I was doing customer support, overseeing the manufacturing, getting the lab set up plus HR. And it was really that, what are all those business activities that happen while the engineers were trying to develop a product and get it out and get it to market? Anyway, that just continued was a great, great experience. Other than everything collapsed, you know, like a few months later, everything, the, the floor fell out. But it forced us actually at that point to be really, really smart about business decisions and thinking about, you know, we had ever 
evolving financing rounds with basically running out of money over time. And, you know, what do we have to do to get to the next milestone or fundable event? And I just love the challenge of it. We bought a technology company in New Jersey. We bought a technology company in Germany. We set up a development shop in Shanghai. And for me, I was in the front of all of those activities, like in terms of mechanics of it and getting it done and closing it and then dealing with post stuff. It was gold, just gold experience, but it was so hard. Anyway, we sold the company in 2008. So we lasted and I was there right from formation to sale and through that crazy nutty journey. And really, that was the impetus for me forming Business Sherpa Group, because I lived the experience of being small yeah. and above our weight, having limited resources, so limited choices or options and the, the really important decisions we had to make. And, you know, I really thought it was great management muscle building you know, where you really had to think sharply about that. And I sort of recognized the problem. We said, well, this exists with this problem, which is you have to have someone with their attention on these sort of back office, these other core business activities, while the owners or others in business need to do their yeah. important work, which is, you know, building a product or building a service and getting it to market and trying to increase sales, but never really needing it full time. Because in my case, I had... 30 different hats and any one of those roles, it would be ages before we needed a full-time function. And Business Sherpa Group in my mind was that, okay, that's where there really needs to be some support, finding it in fractional ways to be able to go into these SMEs and provide that support. And obviously my background in HR, it started in HR and I had a lot of you know, pedigree and background and experience saying, okay, I can provide that support. Although I will say right out of the gate, AJ, I was never thinking about being on my own and doing this because I also felt that having one person and you're relying on one person and these companies are relying on one person to deliver that thing, that creates fragility in the system. If it's not just me, but I've got others, then that stabilizes the solution for the customer. And also I, I just want to be part of the team too. But it started out that way and I was really servicing the companies on the HR side with the vision that we could tackle a lot of the different business functions, finance, recruitment, IT, you know, marketing, and so on, and try to sort of feature those pieces into those businesses. Yeah, so I formed it there at that point in time, thinking, okay, there's people I know who want to work this way. But in 2008, it was honestly really early for that business model. People weren't getting that idea that you could hire someone part-time and share them with another Practical, business. yeah. Like, no way. 2009, I remember dive, it was looking for a fractional CFO was almost impossible. There was like one or two franchises doing it and they were so old school about everything. And then it was just like, why do you need that? Just hire one. I'm like, but we don't have the business. So I could see yeah, exactly. chicken and egg exactly. wasn't there. It was totally chicken and egg. So it was really evangelizing on the model a lot in those early days. But some getting it, and then really over the space of the last 15 years, it's become, as you know, for a lot of SMEs, as a, a very much a mainstay type of business model to let everybody get the focus that they need on the, the key activities. So, yeah, so that's how it started. That's really cool. So, all right, you come through this, you create this, and obviously you've weathered that early phase of sort of creating the understanding of the value you generate. Now, 15 plus years here, where are you as an entrepreneur now that Business Shipper Group has 
grown so much. You're in multiple countries. You have clients around the world. Where are you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's been really fun. So for me as an entrepreneur, where I am now, so I've been, like we were saying before, it's been 23 years I've been at this entrepreneurship stage and 15 years on, here I am. Where I am personally, I'm at the stage where I have very carefully planned and staged sort of the scaling strategy of this Sherpa group. And that means getting in other leaders who can run the company. So I'm at a point now, which is a really tough thing for owner operated and smaller businesses and something. I mean, we can talk about that more, but where I'm at now is I have over a five-year plan built out a leadership team and essentially handed off the reins to them to run the business on a Mm day-to-day basis. And that's now allowed me my freedom at this stage in my life and where I'm at to really decide what I want to do. I'm at a point where I don't want to work full time. I want to be able to do some other stuff, enjoy. I mean, I've been at it for a long time. I still have that itch to uh, get into things. So what I'm doing right now is I've actually said, okay, I've got the business running and now I'm operating as the chair of the business. And I've got a fantastic team and we are very aligned on the right things and we check in and I get the information I need to feel comfortable that things are moving forward. And I'm also supporting them in the way that makes sense for them. And I am, you know, doing the things I want to do personally, you know, travel and other sorts of things. But then also I'm still going into some businesses and giving, going back to, I mean, I hadn't done direct support of the businesses for a yeah. long time because I had to build my business. I had to move out of delivery. So I'm kind of cherry picking a few different types of situations or businesses and helping them through different parts of their scale and being an advisor to them. And I'm loving that. Like, I think there's like three things I want to, let's start with that sort of five years ago when you put that plan in, what was that transition like? I hear it a lot. And as someone who had great, great difficulty (laughs) in doing so, building that plan or understanding what that is, instead of just throwing some pasta against the wall and hoping it sticks to like, now, what's that sort of structure that you're doing? And then let's kind of use that to then set up with the type of clients that you have and the transitions they're facing. Because what is resonating with me, as I just said, I had such difficulty going through my own transition phases when I had my business was trying to find the services that could help me through that, the advisors, the consultants, it's, there's so much out there around how you should, but it always feels, it always feels like you're being told what to do versus an understanding of the situation you're in. But let's step back. Sorry. Yeah. Five no, years absolutely. ago. You know, why? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Time doesn't stop, right? Time marches on. And so five years ago, I was sort of looking at, okay, where will I be five years from now? And what do I want to be doing? And what do I want the business to be doing? You know, I was not interested. To me, you know, there was 15 years of growth. And honestly, Jay, the company's done so, so well. And I feel we've just started, even though we've scaled significantly, because the market has come to us, essentially, and just a great team to deliver. So it was all around thinking, what is the long-term path for the business? What is the long-term path for me? And what I recognize as a single owner of the business that I have to secure all of these things. What do I need personally over the long term? But what does the business need to succeed me? 
And I really sort of broke it down. And it's interesting. I just actually this week met with, I digress a little bit and I'll come back to my journey, but I met with another business I've been around for 15 years, five owners, three of them are either 60 or in their 60s and trying to figure out how do they do succession. So I did this whole workshop with them on exactly this at this topic and we talked about my journey and it was just so to your point relatable to their situation because they just couldn't figure out how to do this in a way that made sense that was going to protect what they had built for the purpose of the business but also for themselves so I really looked at it from several dimensions I thought okay one thing that everybody thinks about is just what's my liquidity like what's my ownership and that's where everybody starts and everybody thinks about that of course so how am I going to exit well maybe some will buy me or you know and then I'm thinking well I've got a team and I want that may or may not happen I don't know but even if that happens is the right thing for my team my clients and you know there's a lot of question marks around that you really over rotate I think on the liquidity how am I going to get this out and so on but the reality is no matter what you're doing whether your liquidity is for you to either get a sale of the business or get proceeds of some sort from the business or live off the dividends passive income You have to build business value. You have to be building business value. So focusing on that. So I sort of said, okay, for me to actually have some outcome on an ownership or liquidity perspective, I have to think about what is the leadership succession? What are the role successions, first of all? And that's sort of staring quite honestly at what does the business look at that time? Who would be doing my job as a CEO? And do I have anyone in the business? And recognizing that, there's a succession for leadership that has to be in place. And leadership succession is not a short journey. That is something that takes years to bring into play. You have to find someone or identify someone. You have to test and make sure that they've got the right competencies and skills, but also temperament and style to be a leader and an entrepreneur themselves. You have to develop the relationships externally so you're ready to transfer those relationships that you might have built up over time that your business depends upon and you have to support them. And you also have to work that relationship with a leader to be prepared to hand off accountabilities and build trust that they're going to manage it well, right? So it's a long journey. And I think it's a thing that gets overlooked a lot that, that, or they know that they need that but they think they'll just find someone at the time they're ready to go and it'll all go well. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, that's probably the biggest gating item. So I really sort of said, okay, well, if I'm here, if I need to be here now, what do I need to identify? And not just one role, what other roles need to be in the company? And frankly, when can I afford to bring them in? Like, what's the timing of all of that? Because you don't want all of a sudden have this magic bag of money that you can turn to it and say, okay, I can hire all of these people. And, you know, Are they revenue producing right off the bat? Or are they a training exactly. value? Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you ramp them off of being revenue producing to, okay, you're managing, et cetera. So that was one piece that I was really looking at. I actually mapped out for myself in a future state saying, okay, well, what do I want to be doing? Do I want to be active in the mm-hmm. business at all? And if I want to be active in the business, in what way? You know, do I want to be running the business? I'm like, nope, I don't want to be, but I want to maybe do a little bit of client stuff or, and I had to really spend some time mapping out that future state. What do I want to be doing personally? And then imagine there from that picture, what did I need on the leadership side? But then also what is the business succession, right? So what, 
And that's just strategic planning and business visioning. You know, where is the business going? Because that's going to morph into, okay, who do you need then to fill that out? And then the last piece was then, okay, so with all that, then what could be any sort of liquidity? And are we looking at ownership succession, MBOs, yeah. you know, selling the shares internally, or is it a sale externally, et cetera? So yeah, it's interesting. I mapped it out in a lot of detail on all of those dimensions. And I put timelines in each of the five years and said, okay, in each of these years, what key activities do I need to take care of to advance the needle? And it played out pretty much to, to the plan. That is really a great concept. And looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. Where did you get the idea to do those things? Because I love the idea that you were in this position you saw sort of the state you wanted to be in. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs were very good at sort of pattern recognition for where we want to get. And then we sort of just start pushing things. But I think it's that fine tuning of the plan, like that strategy you put together. Where did that come from? Because that's really pretty interesting and pretty unique. Yeah, I mean, I did create it, but I would say where that really came from is I had just spent the past 10 years working with tons of businesses and just seeing it and going, it's so obvious. And people who were too late, I mean, not too late. I mean, you're going to exit yeah. your business one way or the other. <laughs> we all exit sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes you go out one way or the other. But, you know, sort of seeing the problems cropping up and going not well and recognizing what they haven't taken, like hearing and experiencing, that's really where it came from okay. is, you know, working with so many businesses and just seeing them struggle with this thing. And when you're on the outside and you're not so emotionally attached, it's hard when you're an owner. I mean, you're there's, first of all, there's the day to day to take care of. It's, you know, not easy. There's been a lot of stressors. So to be able to sort of get that sort of out of body experience and sort of see things from afar and having it planned it's really hard when you're in the business but when you're outside the business you can see it so i would say i'm not sure i would have been able to come up with that for myself had i not been able to be that less invested less emotional person in helping you know and seeing the issue in other businesses no i like that and this is what i think is sometimes very difficult to find people to work with as an entrepreneur who've been through the reps you need to work with yes. people who've had not just the experience but the multiple iterations to go through yeah. a situation and as you said you've used that experience and this will be fun for other clients to kind of share and then help ex them explore their transitions let's talk about the type of customers that can benefit from this and sort of the mindset that they should start putting themselves in the things they can do to then work better with like a firm like Business Sherpa Group. So I think the type, there's really two types. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of the smaller owner-operated businesses. It doesn't matter if it's a product business or a services business. I think that it doesn't really matter what exit they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. That still is relevant. So it's really those smaller owner-operated private businesses where they are the leaders, the doers, you know, they're thinking through all this stuff and trying to understand. And in those cases, it might be at two different phases. It might be at their tail end, but also much earlier. Okay. I think that when they're at the phases of starting to scale or recognizing that this is not fun anymore, it's just getting really difficult. And it's probably due 
to some underlying issues going on that are taking up, honestly, a lot of time is people issues that just consume so much mental energy, so much time and focus that is important, but so distracting from what you do. And, and, and as they're scaling, that gets more and more. And all of a sudden they're finding there, something's wrong. It's just not working. There's so many things happening and very typically, and that's a real sweet spot for us. So it could be an earlier stage company. I mean, we work with not-for-profits. We work for tech companies that are VC financed, but owner-operated professional services, whatever. But they're at that stage where they're recognizing something is just really making, there's just a lot of friction on the progress of the company and something's holding it back. So that's really a good sweet spot. And the way we would approach that is not going and say, oh, here's our solution, just do this. It's no, what's going on? And usually they'll come with some pain point of just, you know, I've got this problem and that's a problem. And it doesn't take much to scratch beneath the surface to sort of say, you've got a scaling problem right? And it's typical. And the fact is, is that, you know, the way you're organized can't support your current level of revenue or services yeah. and it'll never support the next level. So you're just hitting a point that's a pivotal point in the, the journey. And then how you ha- address it might be, okay, yeah, we can come in and help on these areas, take this off your plate and own this and be a partner to you in terms of you know, HR, finance are the big ones in recruitment. And, you know, you can start building it out. That's more the how, and we can help with the how, but I think you have to understand what, what is going on, which is not really what people are thinking about. They just know it hurts. Yep. It's funny because it is like all the lovely W and H questions. I always find, especially now that I've passed the experience, <laughs> there's an overbalance. A lot of times the why is just not well put in place. And it's amazing how effective a good understanding of your why is but if you don't then have the operational structure of the what together then it gets so so choppy and you lose the why in trying to change i think and it also shows how you bring the importance at the right time that's one thing it's interesting just because of the what you've talked about the experience i could see like okay that makes so much more sense but you wouldn't know that if you hadn't done the reps yourself to guide your customers it's like okay yeah it is here do this but now you're here let's get back to that nitty-gritty lack of (laughs) use that phrase you, you can almost predict it at different revenue points, mm. right? You can just sort of say, you know what? Revenue or employee size yeah. points. Business model. Right? And, and yeah. Hopefully it's all kind of there, but you could predict, you're right. Trying to get to that first million, you know, you can force it along, but trying to get this is kind of one point and you get there and then you've got a whole other issue, um, you know, and it's even studied around this and then getting to five million mm-hmm. and at the five million, that's just another state. And you can just predict it and you can almost end anticipate what the, I mean, probably go in and anticipate. I said, I'll bet you these are some of the things. And to your point, it's like the reps, right? You've just seen it many times. And I think the good news though is that for business owners, there's no shame in that. That's just a normal yeah. journey. There's no other way. Like, of course you start it just with will and force and effort and lots of passion and focus. And then it, things are get creating drag on that. Yeah. 
It's funny that you say that because I never really thought of it that way, but I know I've had guilt and I hear this a lot from owners and entrepreneurs I talk with. Very often entrepreneurs feel guilty that we're not able to solve the problem that we're facing. Mm -hmm. Yet, as you're saying, why would we one, generally you come from a passion point to do something. You're doing your passion and then you kind of create a business around it and you're evolving and you're doing all this. And then this happens. So taking that guilt out of the way and just being like, look, this is where it is. Now's the time to find help, whatever help may be, I think is a pretty powerful thing. And what's really cool about that, if you get that help and you get that support with the right you know, team with you who's relatable to your situation. I mean, sometimes people, as you know, will come in with big ideas and, oh, you have to do this and it, you know, here's the program and, and so on. And it's just so unrelatable to the business. And it's so discouraging because, you know, you're being told, well, you just have to put this system into place or this program and it doesn't match with where they're at. And so it actually doesn't move the needle. And I think creates even more deflation in the person's spirit and confidence around the owner around what am I doing wrong? Because I did this and it works for everyone else, but not for me. And I know from a fact, about two years before I had to significantly retrench, regrow, and I was able to sell and I got very lucky. But about two, not even a year and three quarters before I had a serious retrench, I had to seriously retrench. I did go out looking for the support. I knew I was getting through some really turbulent times. I was approaching seven million and I had an operational system that was built for two million. <laughs> you know, I, it was great when I had less than 20 people and I now had 35 plus a ton of contractor. We were on the races. And I got so frustrated with the process because I was being sold at, not sold to. There was no communication of my understanding. It was like, oh, yeah, we know exactly. You need it. And then everyone's within variation of voice. And I got so frustrated that I was just like, F it. I don't need this. But I did as I learned <laughs> soon after. <laughs> so that is a very, it is that almost to a point, that's the time you really do need to go further. You really do. And the problem is, is, is you're right. It's finding the right type of partner to work with you. And um, the reality is, like I was saying, when I formed the company, I was doing myself, but I really knew yeah. that I can't, there's fragility when it's just an individual. And so, yeah, and maybe you can go and find an individual to support you, but something happens and then you're just at it again. So creating some robustness of a firm. But the problem with firms, a lot of firms, is the size that they're looking at and the price point and the relevance of what they're doing to where the business is at is misaligned. It just yes. doesn't work. It's either not affordable. It's not practical. You don't have the capacity to take on the activities they want you to take on to move forward. And I found that that's kind of where my passion came in. I mean, I was a real sort of, I'm for the underdog. I believe anyone small can make it big and do it and knock it out of the park. So was super focused on only servicing small and mid-sized businesses, typically under 50 employees. Yeah. You know, we've gotten pulled into some bigger stuff where, nah, we'll do it. Ottawa, I don't know if you know, I mean, it's the capital of Canada and yeah. it's a huge government. Yeah. It's a huge technology town as well. So anybody who's a contractor, well, guess who they want to contract to? The government. And I am absolutely not touching that. That is not in my sweet spot mm -hmm. at all. I'm focusing only on 
this category of business. And for the reasons that you say, it's just this, it was just what I knew. And that's also where I know the problem exists, that I understand that problem. And we can really focus on delivering to that problem, but from being highly understanding, relevant and empathetic to the situation of those businesses and working to that. And that's, we'll never change that. I mean, it's just, that's the passion that we've all gotten. It's satisfying because you really can help move the needle. I mean, that bit of effort, when you think about if you'd had that support and you were able to take your time, energy, focus, emotions, and so on, and put it to the other things that you needed to do and not have this drag on you, it just creates accelerated performance. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because what's interesting is I think so much for entrepreneurs are understanding of what success is, the growth, et cetera, of the entrepreneur is the business. Yeah, we're not the business. It got to the point my friends would laugh. It's like, oh, we ask you how you're feeling. And you're like, oh, the company just did this. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not what we asked you. Like, but what other you. question, what other meaning is there? <laughs> yeah. Well, first, how do you go about defining success as an entrepreneur separate from the concept of success in the business? And then two, how do you find the satisfaction in what you have versus that which you believe is possible? So I mean, so first, yeah. how do you yeah. go about defining your own personal success as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I really love that question, AJ, because I think that for me, when I set out on this business, I did not set out saying, I'm going to grow this to be a $10 million business. I really didn't care. I just thought I really liked the problem I'm solving. It was purposeful work to me and it felt like it was creating some good outcomes for society. And that was what motivated yeah. me, right? I could help these businesses. I could help them be successful. I can also work with people who also want to do that and give them opportunities too, to really grow and develop. And that's what I set out on. So I didn't set out at the beginning, but you're right. It's really difficult because you're measured as a business based on the conventional business metrics mm -hmm. and your business becomes attached to you. So therefore those financial metrics become yeah. attached to you. <laughs> and it's a bit of a mugs game because, I like that phrase. you know, I mean, while you might think you control a lot of it, you don't actually. I mean, there's things you can do, but unpredictable things happen. I mean, we had the pandemic. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things. I remember when the pandemic first started out this is the most ridiculous thing I've never told anybody this I had this little sense of like relief thinking whoo well that's good because if business goes down no one will blame me <laughs> they'll all understand pandemic. Uh, yes. and, and just, I got some relief here removal you know no one's going to address the up and down of the business to me it's just kind of a really stupid reaction obviously but for me I found that extremely stressful you know, that my identity and reputation was wrapped up in like just, okay, it's got to go up, 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 and up. And things don't go up, 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 and up. They go this way. They go up and down. And I found that anxiety creating. So that for me was I really worked hard to put that in its right place. It's an indicator. It's telling you. It's giving you information. It's giving you information for decisions. And I really wanted to tie my identity. And I do do it back to that original purpose. And that's to your point. So important to have that purpose and so on. And it, what drives you at the beginning, but then it gets lost in all of this other stuff. And I think reconnecting with it and saying, am I achieving that purpose? Am I doing what I set out to do? I wasn't setting out to make a $10 million business. I was setting out 
to create these outcomes. And if I can reflect on those things, that's where I anchor. And that's where I'm authentic too. If I'm talking to you, if I'm talking to customers, if I'm talking to my team or employees or friends or whatever, I just say, that's what I'll talk about. But it's a really magnetic draw to attach all of your success just to the business numbers versus, you know, what you've accomplished. I've created jobs for people. Yeah. I've got people set out in their careers. I've helped a business that was this way, moving that way. And then I think that that keep, keep, gets you a little bit more real and helps you sort of stay in the person of you, <laughs> you know, which is there's other things in life more important than this business. Now, I, as I've gone further in my journey, I do find very much the people who didn't fit traditional types of roles or were having worked in higher end agencies and stuff and realize the type of people they hire or focus and then having your own and realize, oh, sometimes we have to hire differently because I can afford the top tier talent. But I was able to help people grow to either become top tier talent for larger companies. Literally had a friend at a larger, oh, we love your company. You're like the minor leagues for us. You train your people so well that when we can go poach them and they know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's good. Yeah. I don't think that's actually a good thing that you think it is, but okay. But yeah, that is a great way of looking at your own personal success as you sort of move forward with this transition. And yes, I said you were the CEO, but you're the chairperson now of the company. Where would you like to see this go? What is going to be the success down the road for you? So for me, the success is that this carefully planned transition yes. and handoff to this great team that they take it the opportunity is there it's right in front of all of us and we're focusing on the right things investing in the right things you know staying true that they are taking it and then putting it on its next slope of the curve and i know they're going to do it and that they can experience that as individuals mm -hmm. as yes. part of their own journey and being entrepreneurs themselves and saying, okay, you can be entrepreneurs and where do you take this? And then just realizing the fullest of its potential and navigating. The, the thing that I think about the legacy that I hope for the company is that it lives on for years and years and years and years and years, becomes a known name. And it's gone a long way of doing that, like certainly in Canada and, and into the US as well in, in uh, certain states where we're known. And just saying that it becomes a known business and a gold standard of particularly helping these small and mid-sized businesses of, you know, that, that, you know, under 10 million in revenue, which there's many, <laughs> like by far the dominant category of business, like in that yeah. spot or under, under like 50 employees, that's 95% of employers that we become a known, known firm in there. And that the thing I would like the most is that the team experiences that, that they make it happen and they feel the satisfaction of doing that. You know, we've taken a lot of effort at Business Sherpa Group to really expose the whole team to the business and just let them know that I sh share all of the numbers with them, very transparent, you know, the good and the bad. And, but more importantly, what that's telling us, not just here's results, you know, quake in fear or celebrate in success. No, no, no. Those are the numbers. What has that told us about what we're doing, what choices we need to make and what decisions? So it's just the outcome and then the, the context. But, and I say this to them, and, and you go to like the experiences that small businesses can offer employees. You can give them growth. 
you can give them experiences that they just simply can't get. And to me, I always felt I want all of my employees to understand the mechanics of business. I love it. I've always loved it. And yes, you're going to have your functional profession and know that, but I love that you'll have the full context of a business and how it works and how you build and grow and scale it. Yeah, getting employees. It also just good business because the more your employees understand about the overall business, the less likely they are to go like, wow, why this? Or, oh, they can understand the importance and the levers and contribute to that growth. Yeah, absolutely. If someone in the audience is thinking about how they can begin developing their own transition, how they can look for help scaling, what's the best way for one to learn more about the Business Sherpa group? Well, obviously, I mean, we put out a lot of content around different topics, right? And we think that they are the topics that we, we know are top of mind for businesses. You know, some pieces won't be relevant at certain points in time, depending on where they are, but we really are focused on putting that type of content together that speaks to the pain points that SMEs are experiencing on their journey and thinking about that. Obviously, in terms of finding out about BSG and how that we can help you, that's easy to contact us and reach out. There's no issue there. If businesses are thinking about their transition, that's something definitely that we'd be really interested in talking about. And just sort of saying, and, and like I said, with this company that I just chatted with this week, you know, I went in there and said, look, it, maybe all this is, is just one conversation. And, you know, I'm going to spend a couple of hours with you and give you some ideas and things and concepts to think with. And that all of you then can just go from there and work the plan. And that's fine. And that might be the starting point. And then from there, it might be, okay, well, I've got this problem, you know, okay, well, that's something we can service if you want help with that. And here's a solution. Or here's some other alternatives. You should be thinking about this. It might not be us at all. It's uh, pointing them to the right spot. So I think, you know, obviously checking out our website with the content and following us on the social media feeds. But if there's something specific, you know, definitely reaching out. Todd Lukasavitz is our CEO and he's a great point of contact to um, start a conversation with. And uh, pretty much all those means start with, you know, some people have some very specific asks and we can speak to that. Sometimes they don't know and they just need a conversation to kind of work it through. I do think it would be well worth just in looking back at my own experience and hope that the evolution of the space has come in the past almost 10 years since I've had, yeah, you know, where I was in this situation. Just the way you're positioning and your team now is positioning Business Sherpa Group and the way it helps, such a great word, Sherpa, the value is very high, if nothing more than the type of questions you articulate that you look for. That would have helped so much in the situation I was when the complexity started really developing so much. And yet I, I was just being sold at, as I said earlier. So if yeah. you're out there yeah. listening, yeah. I think it would be well worth adding Business Sherpa Group to your outreach to learn more about how to deal with the increasing complexity you have in your business. Margo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, AJ. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, I think the audience learned a lot of a lot of great ways of thinking about how to deal with the growing complexity they may be having in their business and their transition planning. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. And look, if you know anyone who would gain some insight from listening to Margot share about how to deal with the complexity in their business or in how she grew Business Sherpa Group, please share this episode with them and encourage them to subscribe. 
to the podcast because that way we can have even more really great entrepreneurs like Margot come on the show. This is so much. So thank you everyone for listening today. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk with you soon. Goodbye. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.